Welcome to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast with your host, award-winning realtor, Matt Glenn, and top producing mortgage broker, Taylor Atkinson. Professionals in the industry, enthusiastic entrepreneurs, and successful investors. When it comes to real estate, we're all in. Okay, Corey, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks guys for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. Yeah, thanks, Corey. Recognized voice in the podcast industry yourself. You, you've got a pretty successful show going right now. Yeah, it's starting to get some traction. I started it actually releasing September 2022, but I was recording in the summer. Recommend that you kind of have about 10 shows in the queue before you start. So that way you can release one one a week, right? Yeah, we missed that <laughs> I think it's a good thing, like, because there has been times when you get swamped busy and it's like, you know, it's tough to fit in a recording or find someone to, to be on the show, right? My podcast, Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. So it's not just specific, I guess, just to Calgary. I interview people in other markets in Alberta as well. So, but I try to keep it focused on the investing side. Yeah, it's a great show. I think our listeners would relate to it pretty well. Do you mind if we just jump into our icebreaker round and get to know you a little bit better? Yeah, let's go for it. Welcome to the uh, icebreaker. This segment of the show is brought to you by Taylor at Venture Mortgages. Come venture into the exciting world of mortgages. Okay, so these are just four quick questions for you. What is your favorite Kelowna season? They're all Kelowna based, <laughs> by the way. My brother lives there and my dad lives in Kelowna. So yeah, I've been to Kelowna a fair bit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I must say that every time I've been, I'm like, how do I hack my life to move to Kelowna? So my favorite season is like summer because that's when I go, right? I haven't really been there much for winters. So I hear it clouds over and yeah. you, don't get, you don't get as much sunshine, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. But the, the seasons I go are generally, it's always nice. And I kind of go walk by the beach or go swimming. And I'm like, I just feel like, wow, I, I wish I could live in Kelowna. <laughs> well, well, so I'm Kelowna Real Estate Podcast and we'll show you how. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so your family started out on the East Coast and then you guys migrated out West and what, you stopped in Calgary and some of your family continued? Or um, my, I grew up, my dad was in the military. So right up till we did about 25 years in the military, then he retired. But we, so I, I'm a Newfie originally, born in Newfoundland. And then, but yeah, I grew up on military bases kind of my whole childhood or or off if my parents moved off the military base but uh so a lot of traveling a lot of moving and really i guess i have roots but they just were never really established besides i i ended up in calgary over 20 years ago so i've been here for over 20 years but my brother ended up in Kelowna. he was on vancouver island ended up i think was through work he ended up in Kelowna, and then my dad because of the weather and the golfing ended up in Kelowna as well i think that's how a lot of people end up here yeah 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 for sure yeah, very cool. All right, Corey, what's your drink of choice? Uh, coffee, cocktail, wine, beer? Where from? If it's the more, it depends on what time of the day it is. <laughs> when I first get out of bed, it's coffee. You know, I like, but if if it's in the <laughs> evening, yeah. yeah, yeah. If it's in the evening, it's beer, uh, like a dark beer, like a, a porter or something. Yeah, stout. Yeah, I like I like a I like a dark beer. I love it. Yeah, that's maybe the newfie in you. That's right. Yeah, the Irish. Yeah. Um, okay. If you had 12 hours before you had to leave Kelowna forever, what would you do for fun? I'd take a helicopter ride. I think that would be a cool thing to do is rip over Kelowna on a helicopter. That sounds fun. Would you get the one that Taylor was wrenching on or would you pick yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. We'll set you up on one next time you're in town though. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a good idea. I've never done that. Uh, I think that would be kind of fun. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't done it a whole lot in my life, but you know, the times I've been in a helicopter, it's pretty amazing, the view you get. Yeah. I have quite a few friends that are pilots, and then none have taken me up here. i got to uh, bribe them with something to take me for a little tour. So Hit them, hit them up, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I do. If you could par- purchase a property in the Okanagan in the next year, what kind of property would it be? Like investment or recreational? or? Well, it would be both. For me, it would be a short-term rental, for sure. Something that could cash flow... Yeah, that I could use as well, right? That would be the ideal where you could book it for two weeks for yourself and stay there and, and also just it would cash flow yeah. and cover its own costs. Yeah, that would be the ideal property for me. Yeah, it's a pretty common answer for quite a few of our guests. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like, oh no, I just buy something that I 
you know, cost me a ton of money and doesn't cash flow. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah like a lake we have, um, yeah. We've done some recent podcasts An Airbnb short-term luxury manager came on a couple podcasts ago. And then, um, yeah, Emily kind of wrote a blog on some of the properties in Kelowna. So yeah, we're starting to get a bit more data on that stuff. Yeah, and you guys, you also uh, deal with short-term rentals there, right? So I'm sure you guys are involved with that there. Yeah. Yeah. It's that time of the season again. We'll see how profitable it is this year. Last year was a little bit slower for sure. So hopefully yeah. it comes back up. Has there been smoke? Sorry, I don't want to take over the show, but is there, has you guys have any smoke there right now from fires? Yesterday? Yes. A lot. Yeah. It kind of, in the morning when we woke up yesterday, it was pretty clear. And then by the evening, it was socked right in. And now it's like, I'm looking out my window. I can't even see the lake. It oh, is no. socked right in. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm actually on Vancouver Island right now. So it's blue skies. But oh, uh, lucky you. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to change the name of this podcast to the Western Canadian podcast here. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Because most of the fires are in Alberta right now. Hey, that's. Uh, yeah. Up north and Banff was on fire. And so the smoke has come into Calgary a couple times now already. Now, hopefully they get get it under control when we get more rain. Yeah, it's super early. We're only in mid-May right now. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, kind of used to that in Kelowna, having it smoky for at least a bit. But May is an interesting time. Yeah. yeah. Well, can you give us a, a quick high-level view on, um, summarize your life in the last <laughs> 15, 20 years in the, in the next kind of four or five minutes? Oh, I usually always say whenever anybody asks, like, how do I got into real estate? I'm like, well, we got to go for beers or something because it's it's a long story. I like I don't know if you wanted me to do it in four or five, it's going to be hard because I've had a few different careers and uh, it was a bit of a journey to get where I am today. I'll try to keep it as summarized as I possibly can. So quickly out of high school, I became an electrician. I got my electrical trade and then I did uh, instrumentation trade. Basically, short right after that, I went in, into instrumentation. That's basically like a process control, end up in big gas plants, that kind of thing uh, with that trade. So, and it's more technical, which kind of cool. It's kind of like the one of the more technical trades, in, in my opinion. I was heavily in oil and gas, basically right out of high school. Same with, I would fly in airplanes or sorry, helicopters in and out of sites uh, up north. I ended up in Calgary working for like an oil and gas service company. Then I started working for Trans Canada Pipeline. I was a technician for a number of years for them and a job came up downtown where I could be in their control room and be trained as a pipeline operator. So then I'm like, oh, I'll get the same salary, get trained as an operator. I'll do that. So I did that, got certified. But I guess as a backstory, I I was working on houses all the time on my own in my own personal life. So like doing renovations, doing building decks because of the trades, maybe you just get the confidence to take on stuff be like, oh, Oh, it's, you're going to charge me 10,000 for that retaining wall. Well, I'll just, you know, I'll do it myself. Right yeah. now. Now I know how much I'm saving. Cause I just, it just cost me 2000 in material or whatever. Right. So I would, I would do that on the side all the time just to gain equity. Basically, so for, Like your principal residences, or did you know you were going to be real estate investing early on? No, I didn't know about the investing. I actually, my mindset had to really shift my whole mindset was with my ex-wife, but we, we were all about paying off our mortgage. Like we were just like, we were like risk averse. And it was all about like, let's, let's get rid of debt. Debt is bad. Uh, every dollar you could save and put on your mortgage and pay it off basically to, to, is what our goal was. Right. We would buy a property. I would do the work. I would renovate it. Uh, maybe do the basement development, that kind of thing, gain the equity sell. And then we kind of do it again. So it was like a, almost like a long-term flip, I guess, in a way, like you're not, it's not a burr. You didn't keep it right. You didn't re refinance, but we would just gain the equity, like gain tax-free cash and then buy something else. And I would do it again and uh, do another basement reno development, bathrooms, all that stuff. So, and I would do it, uh, stuff on the side too, as electrician, right. For, for people. So that's the backstory of like, I was in oil and gas, but worked in houses all the time on the side. So I ended up in gas control operating, but my kids were really young and it was night shifts. And I was basically really tired, you know, exhausted on night shifts all the time. And then from there, I went into a gas scheduling role, which uh, because of the night shifts, I'm like, this is burning me out. And I end up, or tired me out. And then I ended up in a gas scheduling role, which is more business based. And you basically sit there with spreadsheets and you, you know, you have to understand the operations of the pipeline. So then sitting in that role for a few years, I didn't like it. I wanted out. I started to apply in other jobs. And, and because I'm not an engineer, I, I was really overlooked for 
other jobs and I was just basically stuck. I was in the corporate world and I was, I hit my, I plateaued in my personal life. I was now going through a divorce. So I had to go buy my own place, that kind of thing. So I ended up buying a place and uh, on my own and an inspector, it was a 59 bungalow. I uh, had it inspected and the guy kind of, I felt like he kicked the tires. He didn't have a trade and he missed a bunch of stuff. And because of my experience working on houses, the only thing I didn't have was the equipment that he had. Right. So when, when he, he charged me 500 bucks, missed items, I, I felt like didn't explain things. You know, it would have been nice. He, he would have went through stuff, even though I already knew what I was, what was going on. But so right then I got inspired. I'm like, if he just made 500 bucks, you know, in like a couple hours, he was at this house and he's got a successful business. Well, I, I could start a home inspection company and do well, is my opinion, right? Or do better, offer a better service than what I saw he offered me. So in the job that I was burning out in, which I hated, I didn't like the spreadsheets and being stuck and, and basically, you know, in a career that I felt very unfulfilled in. And then I was going through a divorce. My mom was, so I try to go quickly through this, but this, I went through a life crisis, basically. I hit a bottom in my life, uh, adult life. Uh, my mom was terminally with, with uh, liver disease. Um, and my friend was going through depression. And because I was living on my own, I was able to pour into my friend. He was a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I used to go to his club. I used to help him teach. And I, I got to know him and his family well. And because of my handiness, I would go to his place and repair stuff and fix stuff for him just, you know, because he didn't know how to do it. Helped him do stuff in his club. I built stuff in his club for him and, you know, fix things there. Anyway, so we became very close friends. And I was trying to pour into him to help him through his struggling depression. And unfortunately, my mom didn't get the transplant. And I was in Kelowna because I knew she was going to die there with my family. And unfortunately, you know, basically she ended up passing. And then my friend, we used to call him Chico. He texts me, says, hey, Corey, I'm going to come to her funeral. And I said, man, that'd be awesome. I'd love for you to come, come here, you know, for her funeral. And then four days later, he hung himself in Calgary. My God. I, I had to deal with that. So I had the divorce. I had my mom's death and my, what I would consider my best friend took his own life the same, like four days after my mom passed. And so then I had to basically deal with her funeral, I came back to Calgary and I had to, his funeral and they asked me to speak at his funeral. Then when I would go to work, I, I was in doing a job that was sucking the life from me. And I, I, I was just taking pills to, to knock myself out. Then I would go to work. I'd be in a fog. Because of the pills, I and they tried to put me on like antidepressants, which just didn't work. I, I felt like my head brain was being bleached, and I'm like, I can't. So I, I put me in a dark, a bad spot personally, and I and I'm like, I couldn't. Uh, it was a valley that I had to try to get through, and thankfully I did. In the process, I resigned from that job, and and then because of the earlier inspiration of becoming a home inspector, I thought I'll, I'll just start a home inspection company. I cannot do oil and gas jobs anymore. I, I don't, I want out. And I knew because I didn't have a partner to lean on financially to, to help me, you know, cause a lot of realtors will have a partner that's maybe has the benefits and has the, some sort of career that's stable. Yeah. And that way, cause real estate can be very sporadic as to when you get paid, that kind of thing. So I knew I couldn't become a realtor out of the gate. I, so I'm like, okay, well, I've got two trades. Well, I'll go for a third one. And that's what I did. I went, I started a company and got a master certification as a home inspector. And then did real estate part-time for a couple of years. And then once that started getting busy enough, I that's when I switched and became a full-time realtor. So I did that in maybe 10 minutes. That was, that was the <laughs> the story in 10 minutes, guys. Well, that is a lot. Yeah. You've been through a lot. So we appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, uh, good timing. Yeah. There was a time I couldn't talk about it. It would be too emotional for me, but I've, you know, I've kind of gotten through that. I've accepted a lot of things about it and, I've learned from it and grown from it. And, and, you know, I, I think everybody will go through some valleys in their life. Right. And, um, yeah. but so I'm thankful I'm on the other side. Yeah. Knowing you and, and your brother, you guys have, um, very strong mindsets with that type of stuff. Right. So you're, um, you're inspirational that way in terms of transitioning into that new business. Did you not enjoy being a home inspector? Like what made you kind of go into real estate as, um, an agent instead of like, you obviously, do you still run the home inspection business right now as well? I was hoping anyway, to keep the home inspection company going. I had a good employee and I was thinking, okay, you keep this going on the side and I'll also be a realtor. I, I wouldn't do the inspections anymore. I would just have him do them, but it didn't work out. Like he's a great guy. He was a tradesman as well, but he just didn't have the hustle in him to chase the work and, and keep it going. 
And then the relationships that I had established as a home inspector, a lot of it, unfortunately, I, and I think this is a bit of a negative with the home inspection business, but uh, realtors are like the gatekeepers, right? Yeah. So because because the client builds that relationship and they don't know who, like it's kind of paid, hey, you got a good contractor. So they always, or generally it will reach out to the realtor and say, hey, who's who's a good home inspector? So the realtor is the gatekeeper. I had the relationships with the realtors and because I wasn't doing the work anymore, they weren't calling my business anymore, right? They were, they were like, oh, when we book an inspection, we kind of want you there and we don't want you know your employee there. Even yeah. though I felt that he was a good guy and could do a great job. Yeah. So my business started to slow down. And then I was, I'm so busy with real estate. It's like, I didn't want to have to deal with trying to schedule and all this stuff with home inspection. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to cut it loose. Insurance is expensive. I gained what I really wanted to gain from it, which was the experience and, you know, we're doing, doing over a thousand inspections. It is a good business, I think, but I wish there was regulations that would do uh, make it a bit more separate. Like where, you know, if you're if you were going to just go call a plumbing company, people just Google it. They're like, well, I'll read reviews. But realtors are, even though I'm a realtor, they they are the, really a gatekeeper to the business. So that can create a conflict, not to all, all realtors, but it can create a conflict of interest, right? So a realtor, if, if they just want a tire kicker because they never find anything, then maybe that's how they, they want a transaction to happen. Then that's what they're looking for, right? As opposed to someone that's very thorough and explains everything. And so it is what it is. But that, from my experience, I, I thought that was a bit of a negative about the business. And then also going up, like, you know, you're, it's 30 below out, snow on a roof, and you're going to move ladders around and you're outside. And like yeah. that part sucks too, right? Like, Yesterday I was at a home inspection and the home inspector was in the attic and it was 52 degrees. In the mm. attic. <laughs> Summertime attics suck too. Yeah, because they're insanely hot. Yeah. yeah, I always thought too a homeless. I know a couple of home inspectors that turned into uh, realtors, and I always thought it was funny because uh, I was like, when a home inspector goes up to a realtor, like all their clients are already have realtors, like kind of by default, right? Yeah. So everyone you meet has already got an agent, so you're not really building. You don't really know. Yeah, you you can't tap into that database. You're right. Like it's not like. And I think there'd be a bit of conflict of interest. Like I'd have probably over a thousand emails from my home inspection business, right? But I'm not going to send out, oh, you know, I've switched to real estate. Yeah. I'm going to build my own business, right? And, yeah. and if they if they know and, and like my service then and, and figure out, oh, he's a realtor, they want to use me, great. But if not, it's like, yeah. but it's not something you can tap into and, and be like. Well, you have a lot of people kind of pissed at you because like. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Do you want every every realtor in your market to, to hate yeah. you? <laughs> Yeah. You just try to poach all their clients. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. I was just thinking about that yesterday when I was at the home inspection because that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. What was the catalyst that made you move into being a realtor, and how'd you start that business? Then, like, obviously, you're, you know, you're familiar with the industry and you have great connections. But like you just said, you can't really tap into that database. So, how'd you market yourself? How do you get clients? So, one thing was the podcast helped. I also knew I had a lead gen that I do, which is like for off market stuff. So, I was able to get traction that way through through off-market deals yeah. and then you know just like everybody i'd hit some doors talk to people and just grind and hustle to to get some traction right now being a full-time realtor isn't you know it, especially in the calgary market being the way it is it's it's a challenge to get deals done right it's not the pros about being the home inspector is you would do an inspection and you do have to do a report and stuff but you, you say you do two inspections in the day generally i mean there's can be inquiries and bookings and stuff but Realtor is obviously there's you're giving up a lot of weekends and a lot of evenings and you're chasing a lot of stuff in a hot market that never materializes right so your and your paychecks are much further apart it's harder in, as a realtor that way are you happy with the transition oh yeah yeah I am I feel like it's it's I almost think of it like um like it's like you're if you were looking for a, a used car and uh, someone was a mechanic before right let's say they were an automotive mechanic and they're your buddy. Then you bring them along to go look at the used car that you're going to buy. And that's how I feel. I feel like it's like, I'm the used, I'm like the mechanic. Cause you, you, I show up at a house. You just, I know what the year is. I know what to look for. I know where the money is. I know, you know, what the product, how they built it. Uh, you know, if the poly B is still there, I'll, I'll have a look. And so I, 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 it's like, I'm the automotive mechanic showing up when I, you know, look at houses. Right. So I feel like that adds value. You roll in with like your thermal scan and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still have some good equipment that I kept. I'm not going to get rid of it all, 
yeah. but I don't, yeah, I don't pull out the infrared and stuff like it. Cause I know like it, that only works if things like, if you have to, you have to fill the tub and you have to drain the sinks, flush the toilets, you know, you have to do something that's going to make water show up for that to even work. Right. So if you show up and nothing's been ran, then it's not really going to be helpful. Right. Yeah. I always thought it was too funny or funny when the home inspector goes into like the ensuite shower and they're like, there's moisture in here. And then you tell the seller and they're like, yeah, I had a shower this morning. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, they yeah. That. Well, yeah. There should be moisture. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and not all home inspectors are created equally either. I know that there's some that, you know, that basically do create bigger deals out of things that they, than what they should, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, if, if I were to go into a 100-year-old house, well, it's not going to be to today's standards. It's not, it's built differently. It's, you yeah. know, there's there's going to be, you kind of got to expect based on when it was constructed, right? And and, and be realistic. Yeah, I, I like to always be there with my home inspector when we're going through with buyers because, like, sometimes you definitely have to put out fires or, like, just ask questions like, how much does that cost? It's like, the home inspector's like, oh, I don't know, you can probably get it fixed for 25 bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you can't yeah. get anything for twenty five bucks anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I be there because for that reason. But yeah, I work with a few really good home inspectors. So. Before we switch over to the more real estate career focus, do you have any like what's your craziest story from inspecting a home? Do you have anything top of mind that? Um, oh, I was doing a a inspection when actually my old employee was with me. I was training him, and it was a rental. So there's sweet up, sweet upstairs, sweet down. And then so we did, we inspected, and thank, thank God the realtor was some realtors, especially if the clients aren't there and they know me would back when I was an inspector would just, Hey, here's a one day code. You do the thing. Right. But this guy, I didn't really know him. So he followed us around the realtor, which is, which was great. We inspected upstairs. The tenants were there and they were kind of in a rougher area. They had a dishwasher that was portable that would kind of move around the kitchen, right? You, you, pl- you plug in the hoses to the sink and, and I didn't, I knew, like, I don't touch that stuff. If if, there's, if stuff is like that, I would look at it. I would use my flashlight as an inspector, but I'm not touching it. Like, that's like, I'm not touching the hoses, none of that stuff, because it's it's like, they just set it up, right? And then, so then we finished the upstairs, went to the basement, lower suite. We were down there doing the inspection. And then maybe we were down there a half hour and we hear yelling, screaming, lots of stuff going on upstairs. And all of a sudden water started to flood the basement from upstairs and the water is pouring down and it's continuing to pour down. So the realtor runs up and he's trying to, you know, and what happened, I, something happened in the kitchen and they popped the hoses off and then that flooded the upstairs. And then well, guess what? Who do they blame? The home inspector was just here. It was them. Right. And I was thankful that the realtor was there and it was the whole time because they, he could actually back us up as opposed to then if not, it would be tenants word against ours. Like, it's like, oh, they, they just automatically blame, oh, it must have been the home inspector that last touched it, right? And that's why we have this. But I think they they kind of were getting into a bit of a fight, and they must have bumped into it and actually pulled the hose off or something, and it just kept flooding the, the kitchen area. I mean, did the transaction still go through? Did they buy the oh, I don't know. I don't even know. I, I doubt it. I don't think so. No. Uh, I've been in some sketchy houses, too, as an inspector, where you're like, you don't know if there's needles under a mattress. You don't touch anything, right? When you get in those houses, you, you use a flashlight and you just kind of look, keep your shoes on and you don't, um, yeah, I'm not picking up moving mattresses and stuff. Forget that. I never really thought about that. I just always figured every house would be in pristine condition if you're selling it. But yeah, especially. <laughs> oh my God, dude, not even close. <laughs> no. No. And uh, like yeah. most of the tenants that leave it ruckus because like they're usually not that stoked to be moving. Yeah. But like sometimes as homeowners, you go in there and it's wild. Yeah. So I, I saw one recently as a realtor and I did, I sometimes I'll shoot videos and take pictures. This one was so bad. I wouldn't do anything. I'm like, this is just horrify people. Like this is from a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well diving into the, uh, like your real estate career now, how do you feel the market is in Calgary? Uh, like Kelowna the last 12 months, like it definitely cooled off and now it's starting to pick back up again quite a bit. You know, that's kind of the spring market and the rates coming back down a little bit on the mortgages. What's Calgary been like um, in terms of just, is it good for investors? Like we have people that are still investing in Alberta that are either living here or moving there, vice versa. So yeah, can you give us a bit of a review on what the market's like there? It's changed for sure. So if I were to go back a little bit, if I said, talked about like January, February, the market kind of went almost flat. Like the inventory has been low for, for multiple months. 
But it's almost like we hit a bit of a stalemate, and maybe even like November, December, I could include in that. But we're because interest rates had climbed up, and then people were inventories remained low in Calgary. But it was almost like people were thinking, okay, house prices are going to drop. We're, we're going to wait. We're not going to buy. We're waiting. We're going to wait for a deal now, right? So if we had, I had a couple listings then, and they did the days on market were starting to climb, and they and they, there wasn't a lot of action happening. And part of that is market. I mean, there is cycles in the market, right? And you get close to Christmas, New Year's, there's people are busy and they're not really looking, want to go look at houses, especially when it's 30 below outside. But then, so I would say February and into March, the market started to, to kind of heat up quite a bit. And then our March kind of matched 2022's March, where, where like we were starting to get bidding wars and multiple offers because inventories just remain very low and almost where people are starting to panic buy again, right? And and so we saw that in March and also in April. So like last month, now we're into May and we still haven't really seen a cooling yet. Like, cause our inventory, um, our days on market is pretty low and our inventory, like for all of Calgary, we're about 1.3 million people and we might have a thousand detached homes on the market today. Like I'll, I'll run each morning, I'll, I, I pull uh, some numbers and I just put them in a spreadsheet and cross my fingers that the num- we're gonna see inventory. In April, I would do that every day and I saw a little climb and, and occasionally like maybe just like on a Friday into a Saturday, we would see a climb. And it was almost like it was weather dependent where, oh, it got warm out, people were busy. So they didn't buy Friday and Saturday. So inventory came up for Sunday and it was like, you could see just like little kind of blips on the on the radar. And then all, and all of a sudden the, the inventory is gone again by kind of Monday, Tuesday, the little bit of gain that we had, right? So we're still at a critic. I would consider it critically low uh, inventory point, and it's actually. So we do, like you said, we've got. I've, I work with investors from out of province. I work with investors that live here in Calgary, and it's been difficult and challenging to close deals right now. Now I also, so I guess for my for my clients, maybe I would say seventy five percent are investors, twenty five percent aren't. For all the way around, no matter what you're looking for in Calgary, what uh, could be a condo, even condos. They hit a high in Calgary in 2007 and 2014. And then after 2014, it dropped and it continued to drop for a number of years. And we stayed low. Like condos were were actually never. So if you were the unfortunate person that bought one in 2014 and went to sell any time between that time and basically like three months ago, you probably lost money because we never hit those numbers again. Right. So you you bought at a high, the market in the condo market, the, the detached is different, but but so condos right now have have basically hit a, a new record for and, and and we're getting multiple offers even on condos, which was which hasn't been seen in you know like seven or eight years, right? Is there a lot of new condos being built in Calgary right now? Uh, there's a decent number of buildings going up, but not, I don't think it's enough to to for the demand. Even our like even I know like builders the new the you know the subdivisions. If you go the Calgary has a ring road that goes all the way around. And generally, in most quadrants, there's there is like a new development, new subdivision that's being you know built. But from what I've been hearing, they're they're even going to build, even though the demand is high, they're not going the output's going to drop because money is so expensive, right? So because interest rates are high, they're battling against the labor shortages and inflation. You know, concrete I heard jumped by like 12 percent. Uh, so like they're they're having to deal with that and then their cost of borrowing to to basically for these projects has gone up right they cost them money so they have to actually do less they can't they don't have the ability to fund you know to, to actually meet the demand right now so yeah so the calgary market i think it it sucks right now as a buyer we can i've still got some deals done recently but it was uh i even had one locked in where the price didn't go up but you are going to likely going to multiple offers. And the first thing that seems to come off the table is conditions, right? So um, if, if we're on a house, if I'm on a house for a client where we're, and they really want it and it's going into multiple offers, uh, it's likely to get it. They're going to have to, to waive uh, financing condition and, and home inspection condition. And then, and then the price could also get pushed up beyond, you know, what the, the, oh. the list price was. So given your uh, past as a uh, home inspector, what are your thoughts on mandatory home inspections? I know there's been I, around here a bit. 
But you know, I, I like the idea. I, I do like the idea because to give you an example, I, I I was looking at houses. Sometimes with my clients throughout a province, I'll I'll just shoot some videos, right? Or uh, or I do audios. But I, I always have a notepad or I, I bring a printout of the MLS and yeah. a pen, and I'm making notes the whole time as to okay, you know, what's the foundation look like? What's the as like? It's almost like I'm doing this quick 20, 30 minute inspection of and i'm chasing it where's the money like where you know what's the, what's the next three to five years look like how's the roof condition right now and anyway so i'm looking at this one house and it was listed with uh concrete foundation and i'm looking at the outside i'm like well that you know it, it's all they had the, the wood covering all, all the foundation uh, there was some bo- flower boxes and stuff there but there was no evidence of concrete and so then I, when i went in the house brought my flashlight and i'm like looking uh underneath the in the utility room it's all drywalled so it was really difficult to tell uh if it was concrete there you get under the stairs and sure enough it's a wood foundation a preserved wood foundation and i'm like wow that's a big mistake because in this in calgary's market you know so the realtor thought it was a concrete foundation they, they marketed it as a concrete foundation and now let's say in this environment we're in the the buyer shows up okay i, I really want the house i love it I'm going to waive, I won't put in a home inspection. I won't put in financing and it's basically a done deal. They just bought a house that's probably worth $100,000 less than what it should have been. If you have the option to buy concrete or wood, you're much better off in my opinion, in pretty much every case to buy concrete, unless concrete has some sort of major defect, right? But it's like, anyway, so so to me, that was like, that could be a $100,000 lawsuit right there, especially if that wood foundation has issues. And then the buyers circles back and says, oh, look, it was marketed with as a concrete and I just bought a wood and it's like, I don't know, like it's, it opens up things like that. Whereas if you had a mandatory home inspection, those type of things would be flushed out. It would prevent lawsuits and prevent uh, those type of things from happening. Right. Well, to comment on that too, like I just had a, a file for a mortgage application. It, it kind of fell apart. Like we were able to find out an alternative solution for it for the subject property the appraisal came back and exposed the same thing. So they never got a home inspection done, but the financing fell through because of the foundation. So yeah, if they waive a a home inspection and they want to go in subject free, it's not even the fact that they may close on that property and it's going to be a lesser value, but they may be under contract for something they can't close on because they can't get financing for it. You're right. Like there's a huge liability. I think there, there really should be a mandatory home inspection. Yeah. I think so too. Because that way, if it was mandatory, it doesn't matter how hot the market. That's the thing about the home inspection business. In a hot market, home inspector business actually dies or, or, or really slows down, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's one of the first conditions to be waived is, is the home yeah. inspection if you want the property. Yeah. So, we see now we have this uh, three day recession period. So you have three business days and you can pull out of the deal. It costs you a quarter point to pull out of the deal. But so a lot of people, we haven't really had a market where everyone offering multiple offers. Um, unconditional since that's been brought in. But I think the idea is you have three days, get a home inspector in those three days, and then you can kind of go from there. So is, is that mandatory right now in BC? Yes. Yes. Every offer, you have three-day rescission period. So you have three days to pull your offer. It costs wow. a quarter point of the, a quarter percent of the sale price, though. You got to pay the seller if you do decide to use the rescission. Okay. So what's what's that on a half million dollar house? Uh, Twelve fifty. $1,250. Interesting. Now, yeah. I wonder, would that drive, if I had a safety net in a hot market and, I, and I'm okay with losing some money, I could be like, here's three three offers yeah. and, and I, I'll take all three. And then yeah. you take your time and select to be like, oh, actually, I'm going to drop that's these two in. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it's kind of the reverse of what their intention is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, another issue with it is how do you get that that money? Because like the average house in Cologne is like around a million bucks, so it's twenty five hundred dollars. So you do three houses and you pull the trigger, or you pull out a two of them, cost you five thousand dollars. But like, how do you get that? You got to go to small claims or something like that, or I don't know. Like even yeah, I, pay it, how do you get them to pay it? I can see that being problematic, and yeah, that's not going to be a good solution, right? For that reason, like in a hot market, that's what I would do. I'd be like, I'll buy all three and I'll just pull the plug on the two that are actually not great deals and, and take the one that I like. Exactly. Yeah. I think the idea, like it's got a good intention, but yeah, that that is a downfall. But we have, we like really haven't had a market where we're offering like that. Right now, there's a lot of multiple, like multiple offers going on in Kelowna. The house right below me got listed on Friday. There's been endless uh, showings since uh, it got listed a couple of days ago. But 
I just looked on the MLS and they got an accepted offer. I went into multiple offers. They haven't accepted, but there's still commissions for a couple of weeks. So like our market isn't quite hot enough yet to start having multiple unconditional offers. So we have to deal with that, but it's going to be curious when that does come in, but it will. Yeah, yeah. For the home inspection, maybe they should have a like a pre-home inspection, like a mandatory pre-home inspection, but it's submitted through a third party. So for some lenders, when we order an appraisal, we don't get to choose who the appraiser is. It's a random bid selection, and it essentially goes out to approved appraisers. They yeah. accept it. Um, so it's it's a blind. That's actually the perfect solution right there. Yeah, that is, do that with home yeah. inspectors where if you want to sell the property, it's paid for by the seller. You have to do like a pre-home inspection to even list it on MLS and that it's unbiased. Everyone gets to see the report. Yep. You know what you're buying? Uh, people aren't going to uh, get burned that way. It's going to reduce lawsuits. I think that's a great, great solution. That's my first good idea on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. So if someone was either in Calgary or looking to buy in Calgary, because we spoke about this on the last show, uh, Matt and I did, was if somebody couldn't afford in a different market, maybe they're living in Vancouver, Kelowna, Toronto, you know, and they want to buy a property just to get into the market and they feel there's a better investment, whether it's appreciation or cash flow in Calgary. What do you recommend? Certain areas, product type, single family home? For one, if you could do appreciation and one on cash flow, what are you kind of looking at from a numbers point of view? Well, if you live in Vancouver and you have that two bedroom, two bath, <laughs> you can buy a very nice place in Calgary. For that. <laughs> yeah, the market here is is definitely more affordable, and but we we are going up. We are appreciating. We've gone up the last four months in a row. Uh, Calgary houses have appreciated, and it, you know the low inventory is playing into that, but. For cash flow, I guess for for people that I work with, I always like to know maybe how long they've been an investor. If if they're a new investor, then I'm going to probably try to steer them. And especially, it's actually maybe a little bit better if they're from out of town to try something a product that's either been fully renovated and it's more turnkey, or or something that's a newer build that would be a good idea. Certainly, if if they're newer and, and haven't really done a lot of hands on, because uh, there is I, what I find is there's you know the the play the one play that this is unique to Calgary, but if if basically if the suite has been existing before 2018, Calgary has an amnesty period and they will not make you put in a second furnace or a second heating source. So that's a lot of investors it's, it, to be strategic. You know, you're going to look for something that's you want to cash flow in Calgary. It should have a suite because it's going to be unless maybe it's a short term rental, then maybe you could pull it off on a on just something that's unsuited. But even with a short term rental, it's actually good. You know, you can probably cash flow, you will cash flow better with something that has a secondary suite. But if so, if you show if you buy a house that that has someone has installed the suite after 2018, and didn't do a separate furnace, then the city will make you go back and basically change all the ductwork and, and all that stuff. And it's really cost prohibitive, right? So the play is buy a property that had a suite before 2018. And then go, uh, go to the city. And then the other one is having a detached garage is great too in Calgary because you can rent that out separately for say three to $400 a month. You've got the upstairs rent and then you have the basement rent. And also then you basically go to the city and buy and uh, apply to have it legalized. And, and then what the city is going to look for is, does it have egress windows? And if it doesn't, so then you get the egress windows put in. A fire rated self-closing door on the furnace room. They're going to want the furnace room completely drywalled which can be tricky. And I, you know, I know you guys know what that's like, right? The space can be small. You got all the plumbing pipe in there. You've got electrical in there. So it can be a small space, but then there's instances where you have to actually remove a wall to drywall the ceiling. You can't even get behind the furnace, right? You have to actually, what looks like it could be a $2,000 job or $1,500 turns into a five or $6,000 job. So there, it depends on how the furnace room has been laid out, but so they will require that, and they will require uh, separate or smoke detectors to be interconnected throughout the home. So if it goes off in the basement, the upstairs uh, people will also know that the smoke detector is going off, right? And it's obviously separate entrance, that kind of stuff. So those are the, the criteria that they're going to look for. They won't make you put in the separate heating source, which is which is a lot cheaper, right? So that would be the cash flow for appreciation. I think it depends on the quadrant you're in. So Calgary set up 
kind of like a grid. You got you got the the northwest, you got northeast, southeast, southwest kind of thing, right? And, and, and the downtown's kind of central to that. And there, you're going to pay more typically. Not I, I don't want to. I'm just going to generalize, but there's there's exceptions, right? But you're going to pay more for a product in the northwest and southwest in Calgary, southeast. There's there's actually some. You're going to, it depends on where it is in the Southeast as in what community, there's actually some pretty expensive areas as well, but those areas tend to appreciate a bit more, but it also depends on the product that's in those areas as well. Uh, the core actually, because of COVID actually appreciated less. So like if you were like in the belt line close to downtown, that area actually hasn't appreciated like some of the suburbs of Calgary, right? And Calgary has a massive ring road that goes all the way around it with with amenities, they they build these communities with everything. Like they they'll have everything you need. You don't have to leave unless you maybe want to go to a Costco or something. You can generally just stay right in your community and have everything you need, right? Uh, and they and they build some beautiful communities. So I think for the appreciation side, it really just depends on the product and, and the location as to how much it's going to appreciate. Yeah. And are you so if someone was coming in to like what would be a single detached house with a basement suite are we talking in the kind of 600,000 700,000 range um we're picking them up they're listing but they're because the inventory is so low like I, I went and looked at a couple this morning what there was one in the southwest not far from where i am right now uh they listed it at 540 but it's it's a bit of a disaster like i, I went there and i walked through it i shot some videos i'm like i this and it, the city even legalized it which i couldn't believe it but what I think is the, the inspectors, the, the city inspectors kind of, you know, with COVID and stuff, they stop showing up and going in houses and they're doing a lot of uh, video calls now with their clients and, and they're calling that good enough. I think the price, if you spent five fifty, you might get something reasonably decent, but it might also need some work. Uh, the trick is, so I've got some clients or budget, say 500, 550. And if, if something comes on the market, that's a good product. That's very close to the top of their price point. Um, we basically, I can go look at it, but if it goes into multiples, we're out like right away. Right. So it's, a, it's, it's one of those, almost, you need to wait a week and see, okay, is it still sitting? Nobody touched it. Okay. Now we, we, maybe we can go back and negotiate kind of thing. Right. What are those kind of renting out for top and bottom? You know, I've seen some crazy rental numbers recently. So let's, I'll just try to do some averages. So I, I mentioned the garage already. So if it was, if it was a detached double car, maybe three to 400 on, on the rent there, if you're just going to rent it for storage for somebody, right? Uh, basements, it depends if it's a one or two bedroom. And it also depends on the quality, uh, like, you know, the finishes, you know, not that it's not likely to be high end, but just if it's nice, right? It's been renovated. It looks good. I saw a one bedroom recently uh, rent out for almost 1500 a month, but that was including utilities in the basement. And, and also, again, that depends on the quadrants that you're in, but generally speaking, all Calgary, the, I mean, rents have climbed up everywhere. The vacancy rates super low, but let's say so on average, let's say on a basement you can get anywhere from twelve to fifteen hundred, depending on how many bedrooms and quality of the basement. And then the upstairs, I could you could see them anywhere from I would say eighteen nineteen hundred up to twenty five hundred for upstairs. That's a yeah, so that's a great return. For You're hitting over four thousand right on on a, on a property at the, with those numbers. So it's it's pretty good. You know, you can cash flow. But what what I am finding right now in this market, it's hard to find something decent. Like it's there's just a lot of garbage product showing up, and and then and they're trying to ask for a higher price, right? And it's like, oh, I know I know the market's climbing, and it's hard to uh, it's changing, but still, it's like I don't know. I, I reckon obviously as an investor, you want cash flow, you want a quality product, and you want quality tenants, right? You you don't want, and if you're missing that, it's not I, I, it's not a good buy. It's not a yeah. And what's the, the short-term rental? What are the bylaws for Calgary? You Calgary's are... super simple. You just, uh, it's, I think it's a hundred dollar business license, which I think that was last year. I, I don't know maybe if they increased it this year, even if they double it, that would be $200. Yeah. There's not a lot of restrictions on only in the condo situation. You know, if you're in a condo building, then you'd have to make sure that that association allows it. But, um, but for a house, it doesn't have to be owner-occupied primary residence. No, it's not like Kelowna. I know you guys have uh, more restrictions there, right, on the short-term rentals. Yeah, interesting. Here, here, no, it's it's the Alberta way. Just like let it. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not restrict things. <laughs> yeah. What about the tenancy laws, like just for uh, long-term rentals? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question because so from my view, Alberta is a lot 
it's just fair. Like, you know, some people would say, oh, it's it's actually more towards the landlord here. But I think just just saying that it's actually fair. Like, I think it's unfair to the landlord in, in other provinces. But here, and, and, and it's quick. There, it's like the process is very yeah. quick. As long as you have a lease agreement in place, everything's written down, it's signed, it's a lease agreement. And if the tenant doesn't abide by it, you as a landlord can have them evicted. If they stop paying their rent, you can have them evicted. There's also no rent restrictions either. So there are in the fact that like, you know, you'd have to wait a year. You can't just every month be bumping up someone's rent, that kind of thing. But at the end of their lease, if inflation jumped by 6%, you can increase your rents by 6%. There's no, the government isn't regulating that and restricting that, right? The fact that you can evict someone within say two weeks, if they're not a good tenant or they're not abiding by what, you know, the guidelines that you set out, you can have them evict it. And the fact that you can increase your rents, plus there's no property transfer tax here as well. So that's the other advantage, right? So, and then we obviously we don't have a provincial sales tax either. So those are reasons why a lot of people are hot on Alberta. Damn it, Corey, why'd we invite you? We're going to lose all our clients. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's a lot of people looking at Alberta. I mean, why do you guys think that it works in terms of the rental restriction. Like, so you can increase rent 10% a year if, you know, you can justify it. Whereas if you were to talk about that in BC, there would be an uproar. Like there's still very low vacancy Calgary, right? So like... I think it it just allows for the market to determine what is acceptable, right? And it does work because... If if you're a landlord and you're like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just double my rent. I'm just gonna go to four thousand a month on my you know my upper floor. Well, nobody's gonna rent it, right? So so the market dictates. Self-regulating. What, yeah, it is self-regulating. Yeah, and it works because then uh, from an investment standpoint, you're not being restricted by you know all of a sudden your mortgage went up and you as a landlord have to pay higher property taxes, higher you maybe utilities, your insurance, and then and now the government's restricting you and actually maybe you're losing money every month because of these regulation. It yeah. turns it on its head, right? Uh, it's the other thing, like, uh, this, I guess this is a different topic, but I don't get the whole taxing of flippers the way they're trying to do and restrict them. When I see flippers, they go into an old neighborhood. It's a distressed property. If, as long as they're a quality contractor, they do. You know, they can do some amazing work, bring it basically like a new product back on the market. They went and bought all the material from local hardware stores. They employed people. You know, all those things. It's like they're and, and then the neighbors, if you run comps, their values went up as well. Right. So it's like, and they're thankful that you took that distressed property and made it better. So I I don't know. It's like we should be supporting them. Right. Like if if that business model was failing, then people wouldn't be doing it. But there's obviously a need for it. People are buying that product. So exactly. Yeah. Well, anyway, we could vent about this for a long time, but uh, we got to cut the time here. So is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we, uh, we jumped in to our final round of questions here? Uh, no, not not that I can think of. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll dive into the ice maker round. Uh, if you want to kick us off there, Matt. Time for everyone's favorite part of the show, the ice maker section brought to you by myself, Matt Glenn. All right. All right, Corey. What's the best habit or routine that you attribute to your success and something you feel our listener could benefit from? Finishing what I start. Not that I not that I do that all there's times I, you know, I'll make a try to create a habit and I fall off, right? I don't keep it going. But I've always been able to the big ones, I've always been able to finish what I started. Like it's the cliche, right? Oh, you you start a trade, you finish it, you can always fall back on it. So I think that's the biggest one is just I've always uh, you know, I'm glad I I stick to it. Yeah, nice. That's a good one. What is the best thing you've ever spent money on? Uh, you know, I bought a motorcycle this past winter, an uh, Indian scout. Oh, so cool. And it's fun, man. I, I so that's maybe because it's it's new, well, it's used, but it's a new purchase. I have had my license for a long time, but I ride with some friends and and I quite enjoy it. Like it, you know, it's not I don't have to go crazy speeds. I just do 10 over speed limit and I'm happy and I'm uh, yeah, it's just a fun fun toy to get out and out with some buddies yeah i heard that those indian uh, motorcycles are air cooled is that true no here? mine's mine's liquid cooled yeah okay interesting yeah. nice all right what is the most impactful book you've ever read it's like it's like cliche right the think you go rich right it's like everybody i love that book too That's it is good like i i occasionally will go back and reread it like every year or two years right uh obviously some of the stories are dated and old but the, it's the, all about the mindset right 
Yeah, my test is same. So, yeah, some of the stories I don't think would even make it on the radio. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. That book is uh, legit, though. I love it. Yeah. And do you have a favorite quote? Ah, uh, shoot. You know what? I had one that I was. You guys asked. Could you read it to me? I, I think I wrote it down. <laughs> you were talking about a uh, Albert Einstein quote. So, a person who never made a mistake never tried anything new. That's right. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one I, I like. Yeah. Cause you gotta, you know, I'm okay with making mistakes. It's like, I, I take it as a learning and I know I'm not going to be perfect. Right. I, I try, I aim for perfection and I live with the results. Right. It's like, you know, I tried, it's like, but, and then I just, I learned from it and keep moving forward. Right. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's oh. great. Okay. What can our listeners do to, to help you? How can people connect with you? Obviously your podcast, uh, any other social media platforms you're on and if they're buy a property in Calgary, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah. Uh, just, they can reach out to me. I'm on all the platforms. So I mentioned my podcast earlier, so it's Calgary real estate investing podcast. Uh, I do post occasionally on YouTube, not that often. I was, you know, I've got TikTok and I'm on Facebook, but uh, if they search just my my name, Corey Peckford, so C-O-R-E-Y and then peckford.com, uh, I got a website. Uh, my number is 587-893-2272. Yeah, just a quick Google search and you just, it'll hit, it'll show all everything that comes up, uh, you know, for all my social. Yeah. And we'll, we'll throw all that in the show notes and um yeah, hopefully people can connect with you. I mean, seems like a good place to invest. I know I've I've had some clients that have been purchased in Alberta, and yeah, you guys have a, a good return. I had a client just uh, just sell in Alberta and it sold really quick, and then they're buying now. So nice that, that helped me. So <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, people are moving. My neighbor just sold. I uh, sold in one day. I gave him some. He had a family member that was a, a realtor, yeah. and uh, but I was out there barbecuing, right? And and I have a client. It was in Vancouver Island who couldn't sell and has been dropping her price. And I knew that. And he, the year ago, he was talking about moving to Vancouver Island. So I'm like telling him, I'm like, man, now's the time. I'm like, it's like Calgary's heated up and, and, you know, Vancouver Island is, is kind of pulled back. Uh, so then two weeks later, he says, yeah, I took your advice and took, you know, my listed with my family member. We sold the same day, didn't even hit the market and, uh, you know, thank me for that. So, wow. Yeah. So he's got, he's moving. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Okay, guys. Thank, thank you so much. I really appreciate yeah, uh, thanks, been awesome. on your show. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah thanks. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Kelowna real estate podcast. Be sure to reach out and let us know how else we can add value to your Kelowna real estate journey. Please show some support by hitting the like share and subscribe button. This is sponsored by Matt Glenn Real Estate and Taylor Adventure Mortgages.